Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast. Today, joining me is a special guest. And we're going to talk to Chris Mercer about data, how you build a dashboard, strategies behind how you gather data and put it together in a presentable form so that you can make intelligent decisions. But before we jump in, I do want to introduce my guest officially. And Chris, if you don't mind giving us a 200 word or less uh, bio about yourself before we jump in. Absolutely. So my name is Chris Mercer. Everybody calls me Mercer. There tends to always be another Chris in the room somewhere. Uh, And I'm a co-founder of a company called measurementmarketing.io. And it's our job to help marketers, marketing teams, and agencies sort of figure out what their numbers are when it comes to marketing, and then ultimately what to do with those numbers so they can make them bigger. All right. Well, I like the sound of that. So (laughs) let's start at the very, very high level. How do I know what to measure? What is my What's, how do I build my strategy? Where do I begin? Let's Break. start at the top. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question because it's, it's the one that I think a lot of people tend to overcomplicate a little bit. And I'm personally like, you know, we're a big believer in frameworks. I think the, the key to a lot of this stuff when it comes to measurement is, is understanding the strategy behind it. When you have a really good strategy, really good framework, right? A really good blueprint, everything else becomes a lot easier. So when it comes to the types of questions that we should be asking, which is kind of what you're asking, right? It's like, what, what should I be looking for? Uh, and, that, and, the, and the people say this numerous ways. It'll be like, oh, what numbers are important? What should my KPIs be? Like all this sort of stuff. So really when it comes to asking questions, the framework to sort of follow is you have to know what your results are. And, and a lot of people start there, to be honest. They know their sales. They know how many units they sold. They know average cart value, right? They know some of that stuff. They know ad spend, right? They know some of these things, the results stuff. But what is more important, and this is sort of the natural next step that that people don't take but should, is the how. So we call it the results and how framework, but it's really, it's what results am I getting? And then how am I getting those results? So as an example, like if you're an e-commerce store, it might be how many sales you're making. Of course, you need to know that, but you also need to know how many people started the checkout process. Before that, how many people added the cart? Before that, how many people were looking at specific product detail pages? If it's a more direct response style funnel, same concept. How many people are looking at the offer, the cart, and then ultimately making it through the cart? And the, the idea is that as a, as a marketer, it is important for us to understand our machinery, to lift the hood of our marketing and understand how the thing is working so that we can essentially look at it and evaluate it and say, okay, yeah, it's working perfectly fine. Let's just scale it and add more fuel, add more traffic. Or, okay, it's knocking around a little bit. Something's not quite right. Let's fix this piece. And that's where you focus your optimization efforts. So you know, the short answer to that question is you got to know your results and you got to know your how you're getting your results. Mm. Okay. So when you know the you know the how, but I, how do you discover the how? Let me give you an example. Right, mm-hmm. um, let's say I'm working with a company with it's got thirty different data sources, mm-hmm. and yeah, they have APIs, or they're doing it on Google spreadsheets, or they're doing it. It's just all over the place. How do you figure out how to bring all that into a domo, or I, I'm not sure what you use, mm-hmm. uh, in order to make sense of it all? 
So the idea slowly is is the real reason. The real answer to that one is is you do it slowly and you got to plan it out effectively because you're with you know data transformation. You're building sort of like your own little data warehouse in that case. Because a lot of times, and this is sort of the default, is everybody uses different when they call the you know the tech stack right all the different tech platforms that we all use that we all sort of have on tap uh, as marketers. But each of those tech stacks typically aren't built to interact with anything else other than their own version of the truth, whatever they have. So Facebook, for example, Facebook ads manager is not talking to the platforms, right? It's just, it just knows what Facebook's ad manager knows. And that's, and that's sort of it. And then to your point, you've got an API, you've got to pull all this data out. Uh, BigQuery is becoming a more useful tool, right? When it comes to this sort of stuff. And essentially what you have to do, if, if you're going to do something like that, where you're pulling out all these different data sources is one, you first determine which is the data source for the question you're trying to answer is the best source of truth for the question you're trying to answer. And I'll give you a quick example of that. If, the, if, the try, if you're trying to answer how much money did I make in terms of revenue, let's say sales, would you use Google Analytics for that if it's got e-commerce hooked up? Okay, maybe because it's got revenue back there. But what's a more useful truth when it comes to sales, it's going to be the cart system because the cart system is the thing that's actually collecting credit cards, actually knows if a credit card happened. Google Analytics just reports what it was told to, right? So Mm -hmm. you would pull the data from the cart, that particular data source of that question you're trying to answer, which is, I want to know how many sales I'm making, it would come from the cart. Then if you want to know, okay, well, how many page views, going back to what we talked about with results and how, what was the customer journey? What was the story? Is this working the way it's supposed to? The only way to know that is, okay, how many people saw the product detail page of a certain page? Well, maybe that's coming from the platform itself or, or potentially a platform like Google Analytics, which is measuring page views. Well, how do you connect these two random things? One is revenue coming from the cart. One is page views. And the answer is they have to have something in common. So when you set up your measurement systems, you know, ideally they are set up in a way where those two things have something in common preferably something like a, a user ID or a contact ID. And that's, and that's essentially how you can bring in all these different data streams to connect them to a, like a specific user journey. So it can get a little technical uh, to do it correctly. And, there, and there's different levels of it because you know, it, it is a fairly uh, resource intensive way to, to do this, but it is, that's the best way to do it. Because you got to have a, a okay. everything's got to have a certain thing in common, right? Yeah. So how long does that t- process take? Uh, sadly, this is the consultant answer, but it, it depends, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it depends upon the tech that you have. It depends upon the resources that you have and the skill set of those resources. Some of them are pretty simple. Like, for example, we use a, a CRM system that goes into our site that works with Google Analytics. And based upon the tech that we have, it's fairly easy passing through contact IDs and merge fields and, and everything else in the system so that we have you know, user ID set up and that can be our key. We can, we can measure a specific user because we know the each user has a unique identifier, right? And, and we can set that up. Other platforms, you'd have to have the development teams working on them and, and pulling it up. So there, is, there really is no cookie cutter answer um, for something like that. But, you know, it, it depends upon, and this is kind of where a lot of the complication can come in, is it, it may not be where everybody needs to start right? To pull in 30 data sources, because if you don't have a framework in place yet to measure marketing, pulling in 30 data sources, you still won't know what to do with it, right? You still, you still haven't built out a measurement plan. You still haven't put your implementation in place properly. You still haven't trained your team to forecast and to optimize based upon the forecasts. And so if you jump to 
to doing, uh, you know, pulling in 30 different desperate data sources and, and pulling them all together, but you still haven't built the foundations of measurement in the organization, you'll just, what ends up happening is people work on these super complicated things they work on forever and ever and never actually make any progress and ends up being busy work. And then they cut it out of the budgets, right? Going, ah, oh, this number of stuff is too hard. Let's just use whatever the platform's telling us. And they, and they kind of default to that. And then you rinse and repeat every you know, year or so, whenever it becomes trendy to try again. So the, the, I think that's the mistake that most people make is they try to dump into the, the more complicated stuff a little bit too soon without having mm-hmm. their basics in place, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. And I think a lot of people jump into this. They don't know how big it's going to be or the challenge it's going to be, especially if they have a, a lot of different data sources. And right. if it's not properly planned, all these things go awry. And if you don't do it properly, then you're, you're getting bad, bad data into the data warehouse. And then you're essentially screwed because you're relying on bad data and you might not even know you have bad data. Exactly. So, exactly. And, and again, that data, what happens a lot of times, how do you know that's happening is if you're getting reports where you're like, I have no idea what this means. Right. And you see that a lot. People create dashboards and reports. Somebody right. sees it, goes, ah, okay, well, I'm not sure what to do with that. So they stop using it, but for some reason they're supposed to have it. So they keep ordering it. Right. You still use these things, but they just are a lot of dashboards that we interact with or that we see when, when clients will come to us will be a lot of information, a lot of data, but no story. There's no connection. There's no usefulness to it. And that's a challenge. That's a, it's a, just a challenge. We don't, we don't need prettier looking data tables, right? Just because it's a bar chart and not a data table now doesn't all of a sudden make it more useful in a lot of cases. It's, it's that story that's put together. And that's where a lot of marketers need to focus. Yeah, I agree. So let's say you're able to get clean data into a data warehouse. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend people use in order to do reports or dashboards or you know extrapolate information from that data? There's a there's a lot of tools out there. We I mean we're fans of Google products. Um, they they work really well. I mean there's uh, there's obviously other things that you can do as well. You know Tableau, Domo, to your point, different dashboards yeah. are out there. But but the Google platforms are really good. Um, Tag like Manager, Data Studio. Like Data Studio, like, like a combination of Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics, and Data Studio is typically what we're what we're using. Um, mm-hmm. Data so Tag Manager, and really, if to back up a second, when you when you think about measurement, what you're trying to do is really primarily three things. The first is you need to collect the information that you need in order to get answers to the questions that you're asking. You need to be able to store that information. And when I say information, we're typically talking about behavior. So it's which pages are being loaded, which things are being bought, how far down do they scroll, how long do they spend looking at this particular page, right? That sort of stuff. So you, you, you collect the behaviors, you store the behaviors, and then you have reports on those behaviors. Now, a platform like Google Analytics, it does all three technically on its own, but it doesn't really collect all that much. It, it can collect some general behaviors, but it's not really good at specific behaviors. And its reports are okay, but there's a lot to them and they can kind of be distracting and they're mostly just data tables. So they're a little harder to get through. So what Google basically did years ago is say, okay, well, we've got this platform called Google Analytics. It's really okay at collecting. It's okay at reporting, but it's incredible at storing. It really is a behavioral database. That's what it's built to do is to store behaviors. So let's just use it for that. We'll create this other platform, which is Tag Manager. Tag Manager is built to do one thing well, which is collect behaviors. So Tag Manager is the platform where you can say, listen, when they go to my product detail pages and they interact with the images on my product detail pages, kind of virtually pulling the product off the shelf, so to speak, and that behavior happens for at least 45 seconds, I want you, Tag Manager, to tell Facebook that and to tell Google Ads that so I can store that behavior and understand how users, the kind of the conversation that the user is having with that particular step on my page. 
So that's what tag manager is really good at. These, these really nuanced, very specific, it gives marketers mm-hmm. a very specific ability to collect. Then you store that information in Google Analytics, then comes Data Studio. Data Studio is incredible at reporting. So we're Data Studio, and it's not just obviously it connects into Google Analytics, you, you know, sheets and millions of other stuff, not quite millions, but there's a lot of other data connectors that I can connect to more every day um, that you can pull the data into Data Studio. And Data Studio is built to just do reports well. So instead of having these confusing, confusing data tables that are out there that don't really mean anything, you, have, you can build nice little funnels or flow charts or customer journey stories so that the creative sort of marketing team, the people who are maybe not quote unquote as numbers people as maybe what a, a data scientist or a data analyst is, they can see the story that's there. They can and they can look at this and say, okay, is this customer journey? Is this is this website? Is it having the conversation with the users that I want it to have? And if not, where is that conversation breaking down? And if it is breaking down at a particular stage, what should I do to optimize it, to change it, to improve that conversation? And our measurements can very specifically tell us this. If, if, if we set them up properly to do that. Okay. And, and what does that look like? So if you, let's just say it's Google Data Studio and you want to do a mm-hmm. customer journey or user journey through the site. What does that look like specifically in terms of the reporting of it? Would it, would it be a funnel? It, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the beauty of data studio is it can literally be anything because you're starting with with essentially a blank slate. And I and again, I'll give you this slight consultant answer, but with a with a nuanced tip here. If we have we have clients that are incredibly numbers driven, they don't want data studio because they're so comfortable with numbers, they can get that story in a spreadsheet because that's how they're comfortable. So that's where it comes. They they use spreadsheets. It's easier and better for them because they're more comfortable. Yeah, there. not me. So yeah, and that, me neither. Like I, I I'm comfortable with numbers, but I'm not like. I don't want to live in spreadsheets. I like. I'm not looking at a. I'm not building a story out of numbers. I mean, you can kind of make inferences, but right. you know, you can build a story out of a funnel. You can right. do it and, out and of that's, graphs and, and, to, and bars. A hundred percent. And to your point, that's what Data Studio is really good at. And you can add some graphics to it, so there's a flow. So whether it's a dashboard that's kind of a simple funnel, like if you imagine kind of a flow chart where it's, hey, 100 people started here and 50 people went here and 10 of those people did this at this much money. And here's how you made the here's how you made a sale, right? Like you can, you can build that in kind of a flow chart. We've seen them obviously in, in funnels. Um, we have very specific reports. So we'll do more of a customer journey that goes through uh, a, a particular uh step what we call ACE model. So it's awareness. We measure for awareness of a customer journey when somebody's aware. We measure for the behaviors that would indicate that they've completed that particular journey. And then we measure for engagement steps along the way. So we can measure where the journey stopped or where the conversation sort of took a wrong turn, right? Potentially from the marketing standpoint. So we can go back and fix the conversation. And and defining customer journey as there's a brand customer journey that's brand level, there's product individual customer journeys, right? As they go through. So we sort of measure for all of those. And then we'll also measure for journeys that are happening on page. So a specific step of the customer journey. So for example, like our flagship program is called the Measurement Marketing Academy. On our offer page, we'll measure something we call the eyes in the journey. So we'll measure for how many times that page loaded. That's the impression, obviously, kind of that generic number. Then we measure how many of there are 10 seconds later, because that tells us they were at least introduced to what was on that page, right? Then we measure how many actually scroll down halfway, interacted with the copy and stay there for at least 45 seconds. That's interest. It shows a behavior of interest. Then we measure how many people actually looked at the offer, the actual part where the pricing table is for at least five seconds. Now we are measuring for the investigate behavior. Like they're actually thinking potentially about purchasing the product. And then how many people clicked on the button to go to the cart? That's initiate. So we're measuring. So, so this customer journey concept is not just through 
it can be, but it's not just offer page, cart page purchase. It's, it can be on a specific page. And what we're measuring for, and this is the key sort of mindset shift, is you're measuring for the conversation. Because offline, if you came into like my shoe store, I would naturally say, you know, hey, Mark, how's it going? What can I help you with? And we would have a conversation and walk you through shoes, show you sneakers, try them on, get you to try to buy socks on the way out for an upsell and try to get you on my email list to come back with a coupon or something, right? That's a natural conversation that would be happening. And I would be adjusting my side of the conversation based on what you said the entire time as a good salesperson would. Well, our websites are essentially the salespeople now. That's what's happening with digital marketing. The challenge is a lot of marketers don't know how to measure. So that's right. like me not listening to your to side measure. of the conversation. Exactly. That's exactly right. They don't know how or what. And so they're not hearing that user's conversation. So they can't adjust their side of the conversation. What they end up used to doing is they have this random acts of marketing sort of guessing approach all the time. Like maybe right. we change the headline. Maybe we change the offer. Maybe we have to put different images. Maybe we should try new tech, new design, right? And everyone's guessing because no one's listening to the market. And meanwhile, the market is the best person to tell you because they, they are the ones that control the money and they will tell us. We just need to ask them. And that's, that's what we yeah. do with measurement. Proper measurement is, is how we listen to their side of the conversation. Are you, are you combining this website data? And I'm thinking e-commerce companies, uh, obviously, mm -hmm. maybe you are too. Are you combining with like a hot jar to see you know, really how people interact with your site? Or do you think Google Analytics tells that story just fine? It's, it is, it is uh, again, it depends upon what you've got set up in Google Analytics. I will use Hotjar. Also, there's a great tool called uh, kind of the new kid on the block called Clarity that Microsoft makes. It's, it's a free thing that's uh, kind of a competitor to Hotjar a little bit where they do heat maps and scroll maps. I'll tell you the one thing I like about Clarity, because uh, what you're asking is really like there's quantitative data, which is the numbers. And then there's like the visual yeah. stuff, right? Clarity does the visual stuff. It records sessions and everything else. But what they've done, which I, which I love, is they, they've sort of categorized behaviors and said, hey, here's some behaviors you might want to look at. So for example, one, my favorite one they have is called rage clicks, which is what you might expect. It's when you see like a certain image, maybe you click on it, you think it's a button, but it's not hyperlinked. So you click on it again, right? It's and it and it's it measures for when somebody has a behavior of clicking in the same sort of area quickly, as in they expected something to happen, it didn't happen, yeah. so they clicked again. And you, it'll automatically separate those out, and you can watch the videos and see, oh, this is the part. Oh, here's where the here's where the customer is exhibiting some sort of frustration. So that type of platform is a hundred percent useful for that, right? Incredibly useful to see that because you can see it so much faster. Google Analytics can obviously it can be set up to see individual clicks, but it's much harder. It's a lot more labor intensive and it's, and it's just, it's harder to get to that answer doing that, but it's really good for general behavioral things. So for example, we might use Google analytics to measure that eyes on the journey, right? Where we say, oh, okay, well, we have a lot of people being introduced. Like we have, we always have forecasts. So we know roughly 88 to 93% of the people should be introduced of those people. 46% will stay interested. So if we don't see, uh, you know, that range hitting and it will send, let's say 10% of the people show interest, right? I know there's the drop-off. That's where the conversation went wrong with that kind of virtual salesperson, if you will, with that web page. So I need to figure out why the conversation dropped off. And if I can't tell from my numbers, that's where I can go into Clarity, Hotjar, look at screen, you know, at either screen recordings or looking at the, uh, you know, potentially the, the the heat maps and seeing, oh, they're trying to click on this one thing and they got frustrated and left. Okay. Well, that explains it. Let's fix that or let's change the design. Um, I've seen some pages where the scroll, it doesn't look like you can scroll. Because it's just like it's a finished page and, and adding just a little scroll indicator, like, hey, there's more down here can help and get interactions. Uh, but you can, again, you can measure for it. That's what I 
I personally like. I don't like the idea of guessing. Um, I do like the idea of here's what the number is. We're going to make this decision. And then here's what the number should be tomorrow if we're right. And being able to do that is is uh, 100%, uh, 100% within all of our capabilities, as long as we're measuring for it. We have to be able to measure for it. So you, you brought up a couple of use cases that are about reducing friction or frustration. Let's, let's talk about um, increasing revenue by mm-hmm. going through this process. I'll, and I'll start off with one. Um, a recent case, we identified, um, we were trying to monetize blood traffic, essentially. And we went and looked from a mobile perspective on Hotjar, and we looked at all the data. The bo- nobody was clicking on any of the ads or any of the information that would lead to products. Now, it turns out that's because all of that stuff, all those, uh, there were no banner ads on the mobile devices. All that was at the bottom of the blog post. So well, seeing it. you know, somebody scrolling through that, you're not seeing it. So yep. that alone, and 70% of the traffic is, uh, is mobile. So that alone, once implemented, uh, is going to improve their revenue tremendously. And they get a lot of traffic. So that's one example how this type of data that you're talking about really works. Do you have any other examples that uh, have led to increased revenue, whether it's you know small incremental changes uh, or or large changes that you've seen happen? Yeah, I think they they it's a good question. They they typically again it's it's going through that results and how. So if there's a particular issue, why do we have that issue and then fix it? So to your point, uh, you know, Hotjar shows you that they're not seeing the banner ads because they're all sort of stuffed at the bottom. For us, it was uh, you know I'll give you an example. Actually, this is kind of a cool example because it adds friction. So we had a, a client and we were kind of you know measuring for the steps, obviously results and how, right? So we're measuring for what the final result is, but we know the conversation that we're trying to have. And we, we want to make sure that they're having this conversation. So we, the user's going through a, a multi-form checkout. And the first stage of the form is uh, you know name and email. Pretty simple, standard expectation of what we would know would, would fill that out to get to the next step. Next step is address. So at this point, we're getting some personal information. Next step is payment. And there's a massive drop-off. And this, this particular one was like a, a, like a free plus trial offer, I think is what they were doing. And so all yeah. of a sudden, there's payment. Now, it wasn't like they were hiding free plus trial. Everyone knew the offer. They knew what it was. It was clear. But for some reason, you have this thing where Okay, they, and this is the odd part. It wasn't just name and email because I would have potentially expected it there because that's easy to get, right? People give away that stuff all the time. But giving away your address and then not filling out the payment, like that's an interesting thing. What was causing that? So what we did is, uh, and we saw that we saw it very clearly. This is this is exactly the step. So what we did is we thought, okay, and I and I'm a big fan and trying to put everything into an offline world because it's easier to see solutions that way. So we basically said, okay, if this was a store, it's essentially people coming in. They're looking at the product. They're, uh, you know, maybe asking the salesperson some questions about it, but then they're just moving on. They're going, okay, thanks, you know, and that's and that's really it. They're not really interacting. We wanted to create that feeling of momentum in the purchase. So what we did is we had the the dev team put up a a wheel, like one of those little like processing wheels, you know, like and it did nothing. All it was was a visual cue. That was it. There was no functionality other than that. We did it on both mobile and desktop. So this little wheel would pop up. So what would happen is same exact funnel, same exact steps. You put a name and email, check. Didn't affect any numbers there. Uh, Get in your address information, check. that, That conversion rate didn't change at all. Then the little wheel would pop up and it would go into the payment, right? Didn't change the payment page. Everything's the same. So what we did 
is uh, actually there was one exception. I'll tell you in a second. Um, but but what we did, and I'll tell you how we how we figured out to do this, is the wheel said, "Hang on a second, we're reserving your trial." That's all it said. So sure. address reserving your trial. And what I what we were trying to do is virtually give them that feeling, like the if you were a salesperson and you took it off the shelf and put it in their hand right? Which is a powerful way of selling. So if that works offline, it'll work online too. We just got to figure out how to, how to mimic that behavior. So that was how we did it. We said, okay, the little virtual wheel, try, we're reserving your trial. Okay, great. Your trial's been reserved. Now let's go ahead. How would you like to pay for the shipping? And what we did, the reason that worked is something we call the expectation engine. Because every step that any of us take, digital or otherwise, but specifically digital for easy, easy example, if you think about it, every ad, before you click on the ad, you have an expectation of what's about to happen. If you're in the middle of a checkout process, you have an expectation of what's about to happen. And to the extent that when you click on a button or take an action and that next thing that happens matches your expectation, you will continue the journey. If it doesn't, you need to sort of evaluate, right? That sort of lizard brain kicks in. It evaluates where it is because maybe something went wrong and it needs to think. As soon as you make them think, obviously you're going to lose some conversions. And then every step that you go through should match the expectation that was set prior, right? Matching the, the, the expectation coming in. And it has to transform or set the next expectation for the next step. So by us adding that wheel, which worked both on desktop and mobile, by us adding that wheel, what we did is we said, let's match the expectation. Okay, you're, you just filled out your address. So there's clearly some intention of you know, being interested in purchasing. So you fill out the address, we go, great, we got it. Confirmed, it's worked, the form has worked. And we set up the expectation that it's reserved, exclusive, right? So you got it reserved and that it's in motion. There was something now that you're in the process of doing. And then that next page took that step and said, okay, well, now I know the expect that they're coming in with that expectation that they're in a process now. And of course, we're going to naturally pay for the thing that you want to, that's in your hand that you're coming to the checkout for. Why would you not? Then it just took that and it made sense. We didn't have them think. And what, what it was before the older design had, you know, again, same, same basic steps, but it was the expectation wasn't properly set between the, you know, filling in the details of the, of the shipping. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's payment. And it, and it was a little, uh, it was a little probably too much in the face. They, they weren't ready for payment yet. They haven't been prepped for it yet. They should have expected it. It made sense. They would expect it, but, but the design, it just didn't quite do that. So adding that little wheel set the expectation, right? Matched it from the, from the address step coming in set the expectation now for the next page to say, great, let's go ahead. We, we've got it reserved. It's reserved for the next 10 minutes. Let's go ahead and get your thing done. And it worked like gangbusters. And it, it, it just I, took a natural behavior picture, and didn't get in the way. I, didn't, I can't picture what the wheel is. Is this a large wheel that just no, shows no, no. the so product? Just like if you ever buy anything online and, you, and, you, uh -huh. and it says like processing, yeah. you know, just that's all it is. Just a little gray okay. wheel of dots moving around. Nothing so in your face, just a slight tiny little cue that's an overlay that says, it's an action. Something happened and it's working, right? You're right. in a process. So you're going through oh, a process. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and your mind is saying, hey, I got to complete this process. I mean, there's some psychology to this. 100% so I, right. I it's all about expectation engine. Exactly right. Okay. All right. Uh, another great example, by the way. So um, before we wrap up, I, I want to get into, you've got this program set up. What is it about doing this? Besides some of the examples that we showed about revenue, um, yeah, I think we talked about some visibility. You know, here's, here's how your business is operating. But why should every business have something like this set up? Because most businesses, they're, they're in, two, there's in two different places. And here's how you know if you have the situation in your own. One, 
is there's the business that I, I call it the curse of a good offer is they've started and they gave, you know, let's say Facebook, a bunch of money, Facebook, all of a sudden, you know, they, they send them a bunch of traffic and they make a ton of money and they're like, great, let's give Facebook, you know, instead of a thousand dollars a day, we'll give them $10,000 a day. So the $10,000 a day, we'll give them a hundred thousand dollars a day. And all of a sudden they give them a hundred thousand dollars a day. And Facebook is like, thanks. And doesn't give them anything. And now yeah. they go, what happened? And everybody kind of goes, I don't know. Because nobody asked. Nobody knew how they were successful. Nobody was measuring the different steps. They didn't know the machinery. Now, all of a sudden, it's really important because something clearly changed, but nobody knows what it is because nobody's, it's all dark. It's what they call wandering around the cave, right? They're wandering around the cave. So that's the one, uh, one group. And it's obviously important to get out of there as fast as possible. And if you have that where you're like, oh, I give money to Facebook and they make it as long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm making money on my ads. That's great, but but the second corollary is you've got to know how you are very specifically how you're making money on the ads because if it ever stops, you need to know where it broke so you can go fix it. the The second stage or the second category of, of individuals that will come to us is are the people or the people that need measurement, I should say, are the people who are driving in the rearview mirror. So the way you know you're doing this is if you look back and you're always looking back in your data, uh, which is standard. This is kind of the rule. It's what a lot of people start out, and we did too, where you're saying, hey, what happened to that money we spent last week, right? What, what, what? And you're always looking back in data. Well, if I can go through my data and find, it's kind of weird when people are starting out, they think, and again, I do too, so there's no judgment. I, I did the same thing. You think like only if you could... If, if you get really good at analyzing data, you're going to see like the secret thing that nobody else ever sees, and that's going to change your entire company. And it's just not like that. The market is not coy. They are very, very, very in your face and honest, and they're brutally honest sometimes. They'll tell you a thumbs up or thumbs down. And if you can't tell, if you feel like you have to hack through a data jungle to get to the answers you're trying to do, it's because it's too complicated or it's not set up properly. And most people, it's not set up properly. So instead, and this goes to your point of, okay, well, what if you are those people? What's sort of the, what's the flip side of that? You should have a system where instead of always looking back, you should be looking forward. We call it marketing forward. It's looking through and saying, here's how our funnel works. So it's not what happened to the $1,000 I spent on Facebook yesterday. It's here's what's going to happen to the $1,000 I'm spending tomorrow. I'm going to get 1,000 impressions. 35% of those are going to opt in. 15% of those are going to convert through email within seven days at this rate. And then measuring for that. So you forecast and you're always marketing forward. So instead of looking back all the time, you're marketing forward. You can only forecast if you properly measure. And if you are properly measuring, you're always measuring against your forecast. So the second, right, within minutes of something going off, you see it. And so if you go, hey, we're supposed to get a thousand impressions for that thousand dollars. It didn't happen. We got a hundred impressions. What's going on? It's on the Facebook side, clearly. If we got the impressions, but they didn't opt in the way we thought they were going to opt in based on what they've been doing. What happened? Was it a new Facebook target? Did somebody change the page? Was the expectation tweaked somewhere? Is there a technical issue, right? Maybe the form broke, but we'll see it. If they did opt in, but they're not coming back from email, email's not sending them back. It's somewhere in the email messaging that it broke. If they are coming back from email, but they're not purchasing, then maybe it's the, it's the, the expectation again, that's coming in from email and maybe it's messaging or maybe it's the page itself, but at least we know where specifically to focus. And to the extent that you can get good at measurement, you can get very, very specific. Kind of think about it like prescription glasses. If you have poor eyesight, anything's better, right? If you're wandering around the cave and you have no idea what's going on, any prescription is going to be fine for you. It'll make it better. But as you get as you get used to the first prescription, you go back to a better eye doctor and you can improve your prescription, you will see more things clearly. And that's how measurement is. It's better to get good enough to get going, get something in, in play. Then as you improve your measurement skills, you get better at the tactics of how to use all these different tools and how to structure things. So they tell a story that's kind of a natural story. You don't have to hack at it. You just It's just there. It sort of displays itself to you. Then 
you can see very clearly the exact things that you need to focus on. It gives you a better focus to, to focus your optimization efforts as a company. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that um, I realized early on when I started doing this was that it was an early detection system, an early warning system. So you could find problems before they emerge when it's too late and you can't do anything to fix them. 100%. So if you've got that kind of data that is telling you, hey, we've got some problems in this department, that department, some other department, you could dive in right away as soon as you see it and start working on it as opposed to, oh, the quarter's ended. They were waiting for finance to deliver the numbers and, whoa, what happened to our affiliate program? Right. I know, I'm just making stuff up. Right. So that is, that's the primary reason uh, that I start with this no matter what. The secondary reason is I want to jump in and find some revenue opportunities, whatever I can. And, and I liken it, you like the off-flight examples. I, I liken it to flying a, a plane. I don't know if it, how many pro, uh, private pilots or uh, people have been in cockpits of these large 747s. You would never fly one of these things without instrumentation. You would crash and yes. die, more, yes. more likely. Yes, you're exactly right. So, you know, if you've got those systems in place, I feel like it, you have the beginning of a well-functioning organization, at least from a marketer's point of view. Uh, so is there anything else that, that we're missing here that you think that uh, is important for people to know in order to set up this measurement and reporting system? I think the, the biggest deal is, 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 a, is the mindset shifts. So it's understanding that kind of coming at it from, you know, my background, you know, somebody you're talking about like the pilot's license stuff. My background is kind of a sales management background. That's what I've had for decades. And so I look at everything like a sales manager does. My website is a series of salespeople who are all, every single page is its own unique salesperson. It has a job. My homepage has a job. My product detail pages have a job. The checkout pages, the cart pages have a job, right? The thank you pages have a job. Every page has a job. Every page has a certain sale it is trying to make because they're all trying to get a certain behavior. And so I am measuring my salespeople. I am making sure that as the owner of the organization, as the marketer, as the manager in charge of the sales team, it's my job to understand what those salespeople are saying to the market and if that if the market is responding in the way they're supposed to. So if going going back to our offline example, the shoe store, if I have a salesperson and you come in there and and they and you're like, hey, how you doing? And they ignore you and they're just playing on their phone. I'm going to have a word with that salesperson. That salesperson is not reacting in a way that's going to be conducive to getting you to go look at sneakers, which is what I really want you to do. I, it's the exact same thing digitally. You can measure to make sure that your conversation, that the conversation those pages is having, the website's having, is the conversation that you want to have. And if it's not, then you can go, you can, what I, we always call it colloquially here in training, we're going to take that page and we're going to train it. Because we need to improve the conversation. We need to improve the script. We need to improve the behaviors. Sometimes that's design. Sometimes that's a headline. Sometimes that's an offer. Sometimes it's copy. Sometimes it's images, right? Whatever the thing is. But we're improving the script that that page is using so that it can elicit those behaviors. And understanding that that's possible is a big mindset shift. Because it, it should never be like you do not know what to do. You should know exactly why things aren't working the way they are. And you should be very specifically measuring for what specifically but, you know, with a better and average chance would fix it, which actions would actually fix it. And measurement can 100% show us that. Excellent. All right. With that, Mercer is how, you're, you're, how you uh, <laughs> like to be known as. What uh, can people do to find you online or your website? Where do, where do people find you? 
Yeah, I'll give you, a, you know, the our brand itself is, is measurementmarketing.io. It's always the best place to go. So if anybody wants to learn about the company itself, just go to measurementmarketing.io. We do have a YouTube channel. It's got a ton of training on there at various for various levels uh, that are out there. So measurementmarketing.io forward slash YouTube, if you're interested in that. Um, and then we do have a, a free level of our membership that has uh, the weekly training. And it also has a bunch of tools that we've built for our members, but that we give away to the community, kind of our way of giving back. Um, something we call the toolbox. So if anyone's interested in that and in learning about you know how to track your traffic, there's a traffic tracking cool kit, there's a dashboard builder, there's all sorts of things back there to help manage optimization uh, you know, and plan out split tests and predict and forecast revenue, a lot of different plans and tools that are back there. Again, completely free. Um, if anybody's interested in that, just go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash digital brand builder, and it'll take you right there. So again, measurementmarketing.io forward slash digital brand builder. All right. With that, thank you, Mercer. Appreciate it. And a uh, wonderful conversation. We haven't had anything like that before. So uh, very educational. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for the opportunity, Mark. Likewise. Likewise.